Longhorn Nation, we're back! Welcome back, y'all. This is another episode of Fire the Cannon. I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah. And this is Fire the Cannon. All right. Welcome, everybody. We have a lot to talk about. Everybody wants to know, of course, the big news. UT and OU are going to the SEC, so we will tell you how it went down, give you our thoughts, um, some of the backlash slash support that we've seen around the world of sports, give our ideas on where the rest of the Big 12 should go. (laughs) We have some rapid fire stuff from the rest of the world of sports this week, but also we have really big news. Megan, Hannah, and I are so excited to be part of the 1012 Podcast Network. We were invited as the podcast that represents the University of Texas. So Co-hosts of the 1012 podcast, Philip Slavin, Jamie, and Andy. They cover all the Big 12 conference. And as long as we're in the conference, we'll still be, <laughs> we'll still be a part I of it. I mean, couldn't be better, right? right. But they wanted us to let you know that they have a few podcasts, and they'll slowly be adding who they think represent each uh, school the best, which is us. No. <laughs> so they have Midwest <laughs> Madness that covers Big 12 basketball, men and women, Rock Chalk covering Kansas. We cover Texas, and they even have a podcast that covers TCU called Hit the Horn with Melissa and and Colin. So hopefully as we play these schools over the basketball, football, baseball seasons, we will invite those co-network members to join us, and we'll join them, and we'll all talk Big 12 sports. But for now, the big news that everyone's been wanting to hear our opinions on it, and we have some background on how it went down. Let's get into it. Texas, OU, going to the SEC. It's SEC later, Big 12. So at some point, we of course don't know when, but it'll at least be one year. Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the Southeastern Conference. Ladies, I am still trying to digest this. Like, I I mean, I've eaten and breathed it for the last almost two weeks now. And it's still like just kind of mind blowing in ways. Man, I have to watch Paul Feinbaum and-, and get No, you don't. No, you don't. You never have just to watch Paul Feinbaum. <laughs> It's you don't, you don't, you don't. It's insane. Just, oh, and we will not be chanting. Nope. Anyway, so of course, just real quick, um, on July 21st at the SEC Media Days, Brent Zwarneman, who is the A&M beat writer for the Houston Chronicle, broke the big story. And it just happened to be when A&M was taking the podium. So Jimbo Fisher's on the podium and their athletic director, Ross Bjork, who was the only athletic director, this is interesting, um, out of all 14 schools, he was the only one to be there, I guess, so they could like, I don't know, do some damage control or whatever, there's speculation. But of course that came out and then that you got the famous Bjork quote of, you know, there's a reason, of course, we, of course we don't want Texas to join our, our, our conference. You know, we joined so we could have our own identity. And like, he basically did the biggest Aggie self-own, whatever. And then, you know, of course, the media is looking at Texas and Oklahoma wanting feedback and they're just kind of like collectively shrugged their shoulders and didn't deny it. And then the ball, then the snowball started rolling and it was rapid. Uh, next few days, kind of a blur, you know, little bits of information are coming out and that's what we're going to talk about. What were your initial thoughts? I kind of want to hear each of you, like when you first heard this news, did you believe it? I, I think when the, the smoke started coming uh, and there was initially, oh, there's some rumors that Texas is going to join the SEC, I, I didn't buy into it at the very beginning. Right. 
there's just so many political hurdles that that needed to be jumped and there's so much surrounding that that not to mention the academic question about the SEC schools, the fit, what makes sense. You know, we all knew that Texas had had explored options with the SEC, or excuse me, with uh, the Pac-12 and had looked in, yeah, looked into some other conferences, the possibility of going independent. Um, so yeah, I think when I first heard that news, I was like, oh man, there's there's no way. No. But then within literal hours, it was announced, mm-hmm. you know, the, the breaking story came through and it was like, well, it's happening. And I think that's when my brain started to go, all right, well, let me make, make this make sense in my head, right? Like, I think it was, yeah. it was definitely a shock to the system, uh, not something I would have predicted. If you had asked me to gamble on that, I would have lost that bet all day, every day, no question. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think one of the things that I'm the most, I don't know if I should say impressed with or, or just befuddled by is how this was kept quiet for so long. Um, I think we all are pretty privy to the fact that this is a months long negotiation uh, thing and something of this magnitude staying completely under wraps for literally six months or more is, is an impressive feat uh, in, in PR worlds, right? You know, what does this do? We'll definitely dig into what this does for the rest of the big 12, how it affects the college landscape overall. Um, what does it mean about CDC as an AD? I mean, I'd love to dig into that from y'all. What, what are your thoughts on that? What, Rocky, what were your responses? Like you, I was surprised that it, I, my first thought was if this was really happening, it wouldn't have been kept secret for so long. Right. That was like, like you, because it was such a secret, that was why it was hard to believe. That was an amazing feat by the people in the know to keep that on the down low because and now you see these hearings that are happening as we are here recording, these Senate hearings are happening in Texas. So it's the massive uh, repercussions for our university, for o- the state of Oklahoma, for the other schools in our conference, the, 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 all the pe- people and things involved. And to keep all that under wraps until it was a done deal and the formalities of, oh, I'm going to request an invitation. Oh, we're going to accept your invitation. All that was agreed upon and people were going to be told how to vote long before it was announced. So that was surprising. Just like you, like that made me think, oh, it can't happen because it's been a secret, but no, they they had all the, all the ducks in a row before they announced it. And it was a done deal when it was announced that they were thinking about it. Oh, it was a done deal. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Something that struck me is kind of crazy is you know, like Rocky, you mentioned, we've got the Texas Senate hearings going on right now where Bowlesby is there. They've had a couple experts. Uh, CDC politely declined to, to show up. Texas A&M declined on the whole. They were invited too. a couple of senators had noted it was surprising that uh, as this is going to affect the landscape of college uh, athletics and college revenue in Texas that AM was allowed to decline. So that was an interesting note there. But yeah, I mean, there's the, the politics of it all um, really surprised me. I, you know, we had talked LTIF, you know, a lot of people, LTIF's getting a ton of credit for this. CDC and LTIF are obviously in lockstep. Um, something I think a lot of people don't realize, the casual fan or most fans don't realize, is that administrations for Texas and OU have been in lockstep since. The big right. there's no question they know they're, like the they're married now pretty much yeah <laughs> and and have been for a long time you know I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are realizing that more now but there's been the narrative oh OU does whatever Texas says or oh Texas is going to follow OU I don't agree with that I think this is something 
yeah, that they've been, they consult with each other and this is, they come to agreements with each other before they make announcements. So um, something else I want to point out is the Board of Regents are in Texas are nominated and they work at the governor's leisure, basically. So Altaif mm-hmm. is an Abbott guy and Altaif isn't a kind of dude that's going to go out and do things clandestine without Abbott knowing. So again, pulling politics into it, there's a lot of um, speculation or at least a general understanding of how things have worked in the past that Abbott knew about what was going on just due to the nature of the discussions. L-Type isn't going to make any decisions um, or, or work on contracts without Abbott at least being aware of it. Tell people who don't know who L-Type about that. is. Who is L-Type? Yeah, so L-Type is, is basically the chair for the Board of Regents for UT uh, system. Uh, he definitely works closely with uh, UT Austin, uh, but of course, Eltif is is, and you guys may be familiar with his name because he was involved with deals uh, with CDC early on to get pierced in um, as they were vetting coaches. Obviously, when Sark was hired, uh, Eltif was a big part of that too. So, uh, for those that aren't super familiar, the Board of Regents are ultimately uh, for the University of Texas system are ultimately who have the final say in hires in what athletic spends, in uh, budgets and things like that. So um, Board of Regents are, are the guys, you know, pulling the puppet strings behind the, the scenes and making all the approvals. And LTIF is kind of the head of that for the system. Yeah, like he, he did an outstanding job, like just on all fronts of just like orchestrating. I mean, because this is so multifaceted and it's far from over. Like we've still got like kind of a pretty good legal road to hoe, you know, um, but just, just, how he orchestrated everything behind the scenes and kept it quiet was is pretty remarkable and um and then i mean there's a lot to say about jay hartzell and oklahoma's president um haraz i never can say it right joe haraz and then just their wheelings and dealings with the sec and with each other like just how how this thing came together the way that it did is it's there's, I mean, everybody has said it, like there's got to be a 30 for 30 on it at some point, you know, but you know, yeah. Megan, you, you brought up uh, Texas and Oklahoma being in lockstep. And I think, I mean, yes, there are big rival, but I think it's pretty, it, to me, it's pretty, it's really interesting because they know that, I mean, obviously alone, Texas and Oklahoma, like by themselves are, are like pretty, they're pretty, they're obviously huge names they're big deals, but together they're almost like irresistible or like nobody, like they're so powerful together, Texas and Oklahoma. It's the, you know golden, I mean? rule. It's the golden rule, right? He yeah. has the rules. And I think UT and OU have always uh, identified that with each other, especially over the past 25 years that the Big 12 has existed. Um, yeah. yeah, there's definitely been, been a recognition that these are two of the most powerful names in college athletics uh, and, and they are going to get working more together. done. Yeah, they'll get more done and more accomplished together than they would apart. And, and again, there's a lot of similarities. Look, punch me in the face for saying this, but UT and OU aren't all that different as far as administrations go. You're talking about, right. you know, the most the most the the flagship schools of their respective states with huge followings, um, large alumni bases. Um, there's there's a lot of similarities. Now, yeah, of course we can go into all the differences, and that's where our biases are going to come out and scream, right? <laughs> right, but. <laughs> Ultimately, oh, the differences. yeah, but I mean, administratively, uh, especially with some of OU's newer folks coming in, like Joe C, their AD has, has made a lot of positive changes. It wasn't but a few years ago that their athletics department was broke, right? And he's turned that yeah. around 
pretty quickly. So yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting. We certainly do not know how this is going to pan out. There are still a ton of things that have to fall out. Um, Hannah, you mentioned one thing, there's going to be some lawsuits and so forth. Yeah, I agree with that on some level, but I think at this point, um, yeah, and, and the Senate hearings are, are kind of the, I don't know, formality. proof of this, I suppose, is, well, not formality, no, but it's proof of this. It, I mean, it's a done deal, right? This, the leak certainly accelerated the timeline uh, mm-hmm. and brought to light that these conversations had been happening, but there's nothing at this point that the Texas legislature can do to prevent this change from happening. Now, as far as fallout goes, there's plenty the Texas state legislature can do to punish Texas, right? Um, o- Oklahoma's legislature has that ability too. But as far as preventing the deal from happening, that's it's a done yeah, deal. Yeah, it's, it's done. You can't, like, they- you can't retroactively prevent something that's unconstitutional. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the political fallout from this. Will this affect public funding for UT in the next few years? People for like sure. DC, they understand the risks to versus the rewards that they're taking on the state legislature with this, you know? I, I would agree. And I, and I think the other, it's a calculated risk, right? right I think exactly. there's, there's a lot of recognition that, you know, if you look at your, the state legislature, of course, Ton of our legislators have graduated and are alumni of various state schools, right? So of course the representatives that are representing Lubbock or or Waco or whatever are going to step up, especially if they're alumni, and say this is a horrible thing and and try to defend that area and the economics. But I think a lot of people forget how involved our public universities are in our politics as well with funding. Mm -hmm. You know. The argument now is, does the University of Texas, or the question that they're trying to dive into is, does the University of Texas have a fiduciary responsibility and a moral obligation to the other schools that make less money throughout Texas? So that's that's something that'll be interesting to see how that plays out politically. Now, of course, we've Morals seen- Morals and politics? Things. What are you talking about? Yeah, I know. Bananas, Morals. Right? I mean- I will say Twitter has been an absolute delight oh, the past man. 10 days. I've been having a lot of fun. The, you the must have seen different tweets than me. <laughs> I was making well, <laughs> Yeah, the, the internet never loses. I've been enjoying the memes and the crazy <laughs> stuff going on. Uh, but one, I, one of the things, if I'm going to be, you know, petty for a minute, petty patty here, yes. I've been enjoying watching this, like the stages of grief from certain fan bases and what they've been going through in a very short <laughs> and, and Bowlesby himself, yeah, right? Like <laughs> we all know that Twitter can be a cesspool, and oftentimes you see the best and the worst of fan bases on that particular platform. And you know, the A and M reaction—I certainly don't want to linger too much on it, but it does—it does need to be said. It's been pretty hilarious to watch it go through, right? Fans going from oh, a and would never let this happen. The SEC loves us to, oh God, they didn't even ask us to, well, let's accept it. Just watching that has been pretty funny for me. Oh yeah. And just did the meltdown even from their top, like their athletic director totally put his foot in his mouth and, and then it just trickled down from there. But we've got Luch saying immediately, that's never going to happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> Hashtag yeah. freezing cold takes. We've, we've all had those before, right? Again, if you oh, had yeah, asked me if this like, move was going to happen, I would have said absolutely just, not. Well, I mean, no. that they were convinced even a few days ago that, well, we say no, and we have enough pool to get at least a couple more to vote no with us. What was it? Unanimous? Right. Unanimous, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a lot of- gonna, they were told how to vote. 
Okay, so what are your, now that we know it's a done deal, Texas and OU to the SEC, are you, what are your, what's your opinion on that? Like just personally as a fan and alumni of Texas, how do you feel about being a, I will never chant it. I don't need to chant it. We have Texas High, we don't need to chant SEC. But I did love chanting it when we were whooping Georgia at the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only appropriate time is to their own chant. Yeah. Right. So what is your, Hannah, thoughts just like as a Texas Longhorn? How do you feel about being in lumped with the SEC? I'm, I, I'm mostly pretty excited about it. Of course, there's still, uh, there's things that I'm a little apprehensive about that I think you know, for so long, we were talking about how like the SEC is overrated. And of course, you know, they probably were a little bit. I think it's top heavy still, whatever. But it's still, as a Texas fan, I feel like we do our best when we're challenged. And this is a way, I, I think this is going to elevate our game a bit. And just, uh, you know, it, it's definitely going to be tougher. It's going to be harder to get to the playoffs or maybe even just, well, after even the 12 team playoff or whatever, like we might make it, but it's just, it's going to be a challenge. But I think, um, it, well, and then to side note, this is a selfish fan, like traveling to some of these locations is going to be fun. But um, uh, yeah, I, I'm over for the most part. I'm pretty excited. It's still sinking in. Megan, how about you? <laughs> Initial reaction, once I knew it was a done deal was, hell yeah, bring on the SEC. I'm excited yeah. to tailgate and the likes. Like, look, at the College World Series, first of all, can we talk about what an incredible baseball conference the SEC is going to be now? Now, mm -hmm. I, this is going to be a lot of fun, y'all. Yeah, you know, I, I'm excited. We met a, a ton of great Mississippi State fans. I'm excited to check out Starkville. I'm excited to see Ole Miss again and be there more consistently. And listen, if you had to ask me, do I want to tailgate in Lubbock or do I want to tailgate in Nashville? That's right. a no-brainer, y'all. Like right. all day, every day, I'll take Nashville. So yeah, as far as the road trips go, I'm I'm super excited about that. I think it'll be a lot of fun. When I sit and think about it longer. Does it make sense? Like from a fan base, I think we're going to experience a lot of really fun fan interactions with exception of Arkansas. I'm absolutely not looking oh. forward to having to deal with them and their fans. Uh, and, and their Rona. Yeah. Again, <laughs> maybe this is blasphemous for me to say, but I, I dislike Arkansas fans more than I do Sooners and Aggies combined. I've had worse experiences with Arky fans than I have either of the others. And I've had bad experiences with all of them. Right. So so Fayetteville doesn't get me all excited, but hey, we got a test run coming up this year for that for football. Yes, um, we do. The other, Hannah, I think I, I had a similar reaction. You know, shit, my initial thought was, eh, it's going to make it a tougher, longer road to hoe in, in football and Sark better bring it. Uh, he better be ready. But again, as I started chewing on it a little bit more, while we haven't played a down of football with Sark as our head coach, I do think we're better positioned with him coming from Alabama, working under Saban for so long, really knowing what the grind of the SEC is. I think we're better right. positioned with him leading us than we would have been with previous coaches. So in that sense, still excited for football. Yeah. And, and he gets like a year, at least a year, because we don't know when this is officially going to happen or take place, but like he gets a, at least a year to kind of like, you know, break in his coaching staff, like get a good season under his belt at Texas, you know, and, and by that point, like we'll have, we won't have like a, a, a fresh, you know, fresh QB. We'll have a veteran QB. So those things are good. At least. Yeah. Get like a I don't know. Job. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to counter argue that I'm going to say, okay. I think it's shortened the timeline for start to be good because it's going to add the pressure and look, 
we've all heard his comments on pressure. He knows what the expectations are. You don't feel pressure unless you're unprepared. I get that. Yeah. But I think this has shortened his timeline for success, especially at a school like Texas, especially announcing that we're going into this SEC schedule. And if everybody, if we're being honest about it, it's going to happen way before 2025, right? Yes, absolutely. To, to me, this is, has stacked onto the pressure. Now you have to win all of your big 12 games that all of a sudden we've always had the target on our back because we're Texas, right? Oh man. That target going to be even bigger and even more aggressive. I think we're going to see a lot of vitriol coming from a lot of teams Ooh. on the farewell tour. So I think it increases the pressure. I think all of the remaining, the orphaned eight, right, are going to be <laughs> out to prove that they They're shouldn't mad. be left behind. They're going to be out to prove, you know, that Texas shouldn't go to the SEC. They're not what Texas thinks they are as a brand, right? And on top of that, we do have SEC games scheduled very early in the season. We're mm-hmm. playing Arkansas. Uh, you know, That's, what that was suddenly game became a must-win. Must-win. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. become a must-win rather than a oh, it'd be nice to beat an old Southwest Conference rival. No. It's now a must-win to prove it's a must-win. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I, I definitely think it's shortened his timeline for success has lowered the tolerance <laughs> like we had a high tolerance anyway, for a head coach performing at or above Texas expectations. You mentioned going into these places and like, we are, we already have a target on our back and it's just going to be even more heat. I saw something funny that somebody said, and it's that this year, the, the uh, Texas OU game will be the least hostile environment yeah. that either team goes into this season. Let that sink in. Oh, <laughs> no, it'll hostile. still be hostile. Everybody <laughs> no, will be long I gone. I don't so know. True. I don't know. Last year, when without the state fair going on and with, you know, the Rona in full effect, there wasn't a lot of, at least in person at the game, there wasn't a lot of jaw and everybody was kind of worn out and tired. And I didn't see a whole lot of, and granted, again, you didn't have the wax cups of beer that people have been hammering 30, 30 cups of those before the game, before an 11 a.m. kickoff. Right. Um, but, but yeah, it, I, don't know. I don't, I don't think it'll be as crazy or as hectic uh, as it has been in years past, but you know, who knows anything can happen. And it is a rivalry and there's always the propensity to pop off and of course on both sides. Listen, neither side is, is innocent on that when it comes to Texas OU. Yeah. Oh no, sure. it's all OU no all the time. There. No, I'll tell you, <laughs> no, here's, here's my thoughts. My, when, whenever I think about over the last years of somebody says, Oh, Texas to SCC, would you, wouldn't you want to play in the SEC? My initial first thought is always they cheat too much. Like right. I know every school on in the country slides kids money, hooks them up with this and that. I know I'm not a fool. It happens everywhere. But the level of dirtiness behind the scenes that we all know about that happens in the SEC is on another level. And if you're not going to play those games, don't be in the SEC, right? And that, to me, overshadows. And that they, the academic thing is, yes, Texas is an academic school. And that's why I would... The, like if you're talking about academics you go pack right you go west for the academics but it's not like the big 12 is just shining academia right now <laughs> heck yeah. in west virginia and you know it's not like we're shining academics so if you go the academics thing you got georgia you got florida those vanderbilt like there's some academic schools in there so it's yeah. not it's to me that's even a little bit better than riding with the big 12's academics so the <laughs> my problem was 
the cheating, like the outright dirty playing duffel bags yeah. of money. The and, open secret, right? That everybody yes. And now mm-hmm. with the NIL and the, the kids can get paid more over the table. They still get paid under the table, though they can pay sure. more over the table. That kind of washes some of that ugliness away. Oh, That's sure, always yeah. been my biggest hang up. If anyone mentions the SEC, I'm like, they're too dirty. Again, it, it's been an open secret, right, with the SEC um, about the cheating. Uh, but yeah, with NIL, it changes everything. I mean, it brings the bag men into the light. Uh-huh. So now, I mean, again, we're still in the wild west of the NIL, right? Like mm-hmm. NCAA threw up their hands, decided they weren't going to signify any kind of regulation. And they're letting this happen from school to school. Uh, each state is responsible for dictating their rules. So I have a couple things on that. Yes, I agree, Rocky. Going to the SEC, that cheating, like perception certainly is lessened now that the cheating is allowed. What was considered cheating before the bag men and giving the money and stuff like that is now there's a legal avenue for that. One of my concerns that I still have, and this isn't really pertaining to the SEC necessarily, but it does play out this way, is Texas is still going to be at a disadvantage going to the SEC and AM is too, let's be clear, with the NIL rules. Texas laws as it stands are pretty restrictive comparing, you know, to Louisiana law and Alabama law and Mississippi, right? Because we're still in this feel it out phase where people are just figuring it out on their own. There's 50 different sets of rules for each state, right? And, or from each state. And as it sits right now, a lot of the schools in the SEC, their respective states are pretty wide open. We saw it play out with the Ewers thing, right? So he decided to forego his senior season because UIL wouldn't allow him and te- the way the Texas law is written doesn't allow him to make money on name, image, and likeness until he goes to college. So he finished out his one credit and said bye to South Lake Carroll and is headed to Ohio State early. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think that's an unforeseen repercussion of the way that the Texas laws are written. And that's something, at least until this kind of flattens out and people kind of get a hold on things that Texas and Texas A&M are going to be at. Yeah, I think that still, though, is like a once in a decade kind of player, you know, like to make to make overall laws for everybody. We wouldn't take that one case of yours. Like that's a great example of how it hurt Texas there. But Mm -hmm. But I think that's like a once in a decade player that is so above his time that he can skip a whole senior year to right. go make millions right away. Right. I think right. that's that's the exception. In this no, and I agree. I agree with that particular player. Yeah, that's yeah. the exception to the rule. But as we've seen in the past, it's those exceptions that come out that end up changing the rules, right? And mm-hmm. and my only point was that the Texas laws as they sit right now are not favorable when you compare to the relative freedom that other laws provide in different states. That that was specifically in a lot of the Southeastern Conference states yeah. that are there. That, that, that was really the only right. caveat that I wanted to point out. So, so speaking of the rest of the SEC, um, some of the backlash we've seen, some of the welcomes we've seen. What what is what have you noticed from other schools, and not just the SEC, but like Big Twelve backlash around the sports world, backlash uh, and support, excitement. What are you seeing? 
Definitely. I think uh, from the SEC, what I have seen, at least in my feed, has been overwhelmingly positive. Of course, you had the the backlash from the other school in Texas uh, that didn't want this to happen. And, and look, I've said this early and often, and again, I know I'll get some heat for this, but moving to the SEC was the right move for AM. Absolutely zero question. Them doing that 10 years ago has made a huge difference in their, their football program. It was good for AM. So I understand, and it is reasonable for them to be upset with this move. It takes away a lot of the advantages that they were granted. Now, they've got a 10-year head start, right? And one could argue they haven't capitalized on that. Um, but I will tell you all this right now. If we played AM tomorrow, I think AM is a better proven football Agreed. team on the field than we are, right? Clear, so clear. if I'm the Aggies, I take advantage of that. And I look at that and I say, hey, Jimbo's gotten us here. We, we are developing. Bring it on because we want to play Texas and we want to show why we're the best football school in Texas, right? To me, that's my opinion there. Um, the most we got from a welcome from AM, I think, was a blanket statement we're stronger together sort of and, so and then a hashtag, hashtag we're not done yet hashtag, like, right. let me know when you got started because yeah right that, I love that. that trophy case is saying you're it's not done empty. Yet. it's an echo chamber yeah, yeah. I, and then a highlight think, video of their own stuff <laughs> yeah and i think as far as like athletic department welcomes i i thought uh florida was Florida's pretty cool they were they were excited to come and, and visit you know watching old miss just have that funny like bouncer meme come in of like okay you guys can come in now like I think it's, <laughs> overall it's been a pretty positive reaction from the SCC teams now the exact opposite of that right from big 12 teams again cool. with very valid and understandable reasons what's what have what have y'all been seeing I think it's funny when people are like Texas I hate you also how dare you leave me <laughs> like, exactly, right? No, you ruin everything. Also, we need your money and we'll make none unless we're associated with you. Like, exactly. Really? Like, yeah, it, I think I made this analogy, right? Like everywhere we go, Texas is the worst. They ruin everything. Yeah, they ruin conferences, blah, blah, blah. Fuck Texas. Get, get rid of Texas. Texas is awful. We don't need Texas. And then Texas is like, all right, we've heard it for 25 years. So peace out. Yeah. And then it's like, whoa. Wait, wait, no, wait, what are we no, that's right not what we meant, actually, right? You and the money so, that comes with you. Yeah, I, I need your Texas money that supposedly ruins everything. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's an interesting dichotomy, right? And I, I, I made the analogy earlier. I feel like it's like we're now at a point where the spoiled kid who mom and dad have supported for years and years and years is now mom and dad are retiring and they're moving on to go travel. And now the spoiled kid has to go out and get a job. And he's not mm -hmm. liking that so much. You know, he's getting, no. <laughs> it's not. Now good. they have to go build something off their own merits. And, 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 you know, there are, you know, TCU Baylor, they've had moments where they really did rise yeah. up nationally, not just in football, other sports too, baseball, basketball, rise up nationally. And they have these moments, but that doesn't build a brand, a university brand. Sure. And I think sure. that's like you, I think you made a good point about it, Megan. People are, this is on Texas. Oh, you're down or whatever. They confuse a season of a sport with a international brand. Right. And that's what Texas brings to the table year in and year out with, with or without a winning football season. Um, right. and, and OU too, not as much international, but national brand. They Absolutely. bring that to the table and that leaves schools like TCU, Baylor, West Virginia Tech, who rise up and have moments, but they're not 
brands of universities. They're regional brands, but they're not. Yeah, they're very regional. Brands. Yeah. Right. So well, good luck to them. Yeah, I mean, we're talking, Baylor's just coming off a men's basketball championship, right? Mm-hmm. They just won the Natty, but they're still, there's still a lot of baggage with Baylor, uh, you know, and I'm sure this will, uh, nobody is unclear if you've known me for a- even three minutes, nobody's unclear about how I feel about that institution. So I won't go into it, but yeah, there's a lot of baggage to be considered now that the the Big 12 is under turmoil and, and under duress, where are the rest of the team's going to play out? And I do think and thank God, maybe this is slow karma, but it's slow karma that that baggage that Baylor has is going to affect where they land. You're right. Yeah, you're liability. right, Rocky. They have shown success and they've been successful. Their base basketball program over a period of time, for sure. Um, but their coach also covered up for murder, right? We're talking, that was what, 15, less than 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you've got the rape scandal with football. So there's a lot of turnover. Yeah, man. I mean, that baggage to me is going to play into where some of the brands that might otherwise have been able to pitch themselves as an up and coming school or a big name, uh, where that's going to be really challenging for them now. Where do you see like TCU Tech, um, West Virginia? Like, I think West Virginia is a natural ACC fit, you know, yeah, regionally, regionally, and then they have some natural rivals up there, but like a tech or TCU or Baylor, where do they go? Yeah, well, it's it's been said, I, you know, there's with all the rumors swirling about, nothing's really been confirmed, but it's definitely been said that TCU and uh, Tech, and I believe Oklahoma State have all reached out to the Pac-12 to gauge interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think with the Pac-12, honestly, and again, I'm sure I'm gonna get piss off some people with this statement, but I think the, the Christian affiliation is going to be problematic for, for a sure. West Oh, thing. absolutely. Right. At conference. I, again, it's that kind of baggage coming up with it. Um, I think TCU, again, I'm going to get punched for this, but Mountain West to me makes sense for TCU. You know, I think you add in, uh, you know, TCU, Baylor and BYU all going to Mountain West, uh, you know, stay in there and be, be, profitable and maybe elevate the mountain West. I think mm-hmm. that makes reasonable sense. Now, Rocky, right. I heartedly, I do think that that ACC is the best fit for West. They've got Pitt. And I don't know if y'all been around, you know, talked about Pitt with West Virginia, but it's the eat shit pit, right? They hate each other. Oh yeah. They had the pit right. And that's a rivalry that would come back. And I think college football will be right. coming back. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a big one there. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. To see Kansas where State lands. I, I don't. I don't know what yeah. happens with them. What are y'all's thoughts? Uh, um, I think I could see them going to. Um, if you okay, you talked about the three teams or the three schools that approach the Pac-12. I could see the Pac-12 maybe coming back and saying, "Okay, we don't want Baylor, but we'll take yeah. Oklahoma State instead." Or you know what I mean? Some, something along those lines. I think that they could easily be part of that group in a way. I, I think it's been it's pretty safe to to say that Kansas is going to go to the Big Ten. They fit yeah. academically, and of course, basketball. The, the Big Ten is a huge basketball conference, and well, I mean, Kansas is top five blue blood. There, yeah. There's a lot of appeal there. Um, K State. Oh gosh, I I, I think. If any program is going to like just kind of wither away into oblivion, it's probably going to be K State. Yeah, <laughs> like they're going to end up in like you know the the American Athletic Conference or just something like 
Yeah, I don't yeah. see like honestly, I can see tech in K State definitely going to the the American. Um, I I think that makes sense for them. Um, ISU, man, if I were them, I'd be riding this wave of we're really good. I mean, they're going to be motivated in everything. I think right? they could go Big Ten, and they're also. Yeah. I didn't know this until last night. Iowa State and Texas are the only, well, I knew Texas is AAU. I did not know Iowa State was. And mm-hmm. so Texas, Iowa State, and Kansas were the only or only AAU uh, universities in the Big 12. So, so in that regard, maybe, and, and geographically, I think Iowa State goes well with is the Big Tech 10. Is Tech still AAU? Because I know at one point they were going to lose. They were on academic probation. And Aren't there tiers to that? Weren't they like a lower tier of that or something? That maybe, yeah, maybe, and maybe that's what Maybe they're tier two. Like, tier or one. Th- yeah, I didn't yeah. know there were two. So, to it. Yeah. yeah, so I would, I think it's because like you mentioned the American, the ACT, right? The American Conference, ah. Athletic Conference. Um, you have Houston, you have SMU. Um, that would be a good fit for Baylor, TCU, t- maybe even Tech. Like those are some regional yeah. state quote yeah. unquote rivals that they could pick up there. But then in the Pac-12, Tech might fit there. They're they're West-ish. They're, I would put them in an Arizona State. Yeah, kind of, like Arizona. Mm-hmm. Arizona State kind of, Oregon State kind of family where they can rise up and have moments. But um, Utah, Colorado. competitive in baseball. That would fit right in with, you know. Yeah, the, they do State value baseball. Stanford's. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I would, I mean, I could see them, other than the academics, holding them back. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I think that'll be a hurdle to overcome. Now, mm-hmm. to that point, we all know that there's a major conference realignment coming up, right? This move from Texas and OU absolutely obliterates the current college landscape oh, gosh. and alignments and allegiances. So are, th- are some of the things that we're judging saying, oh, you know, academics may hold back the Pac-12 from reaching out or the, the Christian connection could be a bad fit for the Pac-12. Will that be overridden by the, the West Coast looking at, well, TCU is in one of the largest footprints in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, right? They have a good foothold in Dallas-Fort Worth, and that would give the Pac-12 a really good foot into those streaming households and things like that. Does TCU hold enough power in the Fort Worth footprint to bring in streaming specific? Again, because we're not looking at cable households like we used to 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. We're looking at streaming individual households and what they'll pay for. Does that hold enough of a uh, are there are the numbers big enough for TCU in Fort Worth to make it worth it? So I, I think that's definitely something for consideration. And I think the same question comes up with ISU going to the Big Ten. The Big Ten already has one of the largest, you know, packages. And again, they've got to deal with the with ESPN. Um, they are they have one of the largest packages. So what does ISU with a relatively small fan base and a relatively small footprint in a very small populated state? What do they bring to the table as far as money goes? I mean, I, and, Ken already has Iowa. So adding right. Iowa State brings you a natural rival, but it doesn't bring you any more households. Exactly. But is, there, is there a handshake agreement on the same two schools from the same state? <laughs> yeah, and, and there may be. There may be. And I think that's hoping. where I think that's really what's going to play out with the these schools. Now it's going to be up to them to reach out to regional rivals that might make sense where the school should look out for each other right in their own states they're going to have to be the ones to propose that and and make it worth the bigger schools that are holding yeah and make it worth their while i I think that there's like gonna be if if not already 
kind of an urgency. Um, um, we're just going to assume the Big 12 folds but, uh, among the other three power conferences to kind of scoop up. We need to like get up to 16 teams also, or else, you know, they run the risk of being like plowed over, you know, yeah, yeah. of disintegrating. Yeah. So, no. you know, Megan, we, we had a Twitter thread on this. Like, I think that there's going to have to, they're going to have to like re-examine how they, how they do things or how they've done things because this landscape is changing so much so rapidly there might be some concessions that they have to make just to stay competitive or just to stay afloat so I mean it's going to be an interesting next couple of years for sure yeah and and Rocky you had mentioned you know the act taking on some of these Texas schools there's been a, a thought floating around and it has been proposed economically it would make sense to create something like the Southwest Conference, right? Because there are so many large markets in the state of Texas. It does make sense to me for a U of H and TCU and Baylor to join SMU. a conference that rebrands itself as a big footprint in Texas, right? I think, and and maybe the, the AAC is the conference that turns into that and tries to get a foothold and gain some power um, through the TV viewing that they have within the state of Texas. So that, I think that's an interesting thing to, to consider too. I still think that if the Big 10 absorbs one or two, maybe a K-State and an Iowa State or something like that, and SEC is, is taking Texas and OU, and then you have, if the Pac-12 were to take one or two, if, even if there were some that ended up in there's still going to be a lower level of conference, right? Like right now we have power five, group of five. It will right. end up with power three, right? Big 10, Pac-12, SEC. And then there will be that lower, le- the second level of conference. And I mean, they can still have a shot at playoffs or championships, but they're not going to have the prestige and the money and the, you know, the TV deal, right. streaming deal. Yeah. The I noticed that you inconspicuously left off the ACC as a power conference. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> consider them. No, I love it. Well, and, you know, we've, we've seen it. Hannah, you brought this to our attention right before we started recording. Um, it does appear that FSU and Clemson reached out to the SEC recently. See, about they don't even care about the ACC. Ab- right, <laughs> about joining. And again, the ACC had straight up come out and said, if, I mean, it's much like a Texas OU situation for, for the ACC and um, as Texas OU was for, excuse me, for the Big 12. Um, Clemson and FSU leave, that leaves the ACC kind of dangling in the wind as far as football goes. So um, right. the, the irony of this is that the SEC said, thanks, but no thanks. You guys don't bring what Texas and OU do. So they don't. And Clemson's won how many national titles in the last decade? And yeah, still national like, championship or like- not. Thanks, uh, but no thanks. They don't have the, they're still not the brand. They're, they're still the regionals. Right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So it's just, I think it's kind of funny. Like I kind of, <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be pretty crazy to see how this, this plays out in the next, honestly, I would say six months. I, I don't think this thing draws out longer than a year. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it, I mean, to a degree. For sure. So they talked about, oh, we're extending our invitation to begin in 2025. We all know that's just technicalities. There's ways of buying it out right. and they will write their checks and work out ESPN money and figure that all out. And so we will not be waiting till 2025. It'll probably be in the next two years, year, two years. My guess like is next season. I think we play, I think we play uh, SEC football in 2022. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think we do too. And it was interesting with the, the hearings today when Bowlesby was talking, um, it was specifically asked, if Texas and OU buy their way out of the contract, 
what happens? Are they beholden to TV rights? What happens with that? And, and Bowlesby was specific to say, even if Texas and OU buy their way out of the contract, according to the Big 12 bylaws, they still, the Big 12 still owns the TV rights for those games. So that'll be an interesting thing to see it play out. But he did also mention, you know, and was asked directly, if the Big 12 goes away and dissolves, right? Let's say the Orphan Date find homes elsewhere and they do so quickly to try to protect their brands. And there is no Big 12 that exists anymore. Then what happens? Well, mm-hmm. I think you're, you're finding that the rest of these Big 12 schools in a conundrum, right? Do they bail quickly and realign quickly to use the best, the most leverage that they have and their best opportunity to not be left behind in this realignment thing? Or do they stick around and try to hold the Big 12 together to try to stick it to Texas and OU? Yeah, it's a gamble for sure. Like they've got some big thing to see how that plays out, man. There's no question. Wow. So much going on, Texas and OU to the (laughs) SEC. In the meantime, even though we were been wrapped up in that whirlwind, there are a few little things that we need to hit real quick before we sign off today. I'm going to give you quick, I just want your quick thoughts on these. We have five rapid fire sports news for the week. One, you ready, ladies? Bring it. Carson Wentz out for up to 12 weeks of the foot surgery. He's the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Right now, Jacob Eason is back up, but right behind Jacob Eason is Sam Ellinger. Do you think Sam Ellinger plays way too early and would it be way too early? (laughs) Oh, that's quick. Uh, I think Sammy gets significant playing time this year. I don't think it's way too early, Uh, but yeah, I think he gets significant time. I agree. Um, And he's going to have a lot more snaps, especially with the, the, the starters um, at camp. I think that he's going to take a decent amount of of shares, um, in that and so you know maybe we'll see like hopefully he can like stay healthy and do his same thing and 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 i i can't wait to see him play in the nfl wait i'm i'm excited to see him play i also think it's way too early that yeah. that jump from high school to college and then that jump from college to the nfl i wish he had at least two full seasons learning watching growing under an experienced quarterback but this is where we are. And his, he's going to learn from Jacob Eason. All right. <laughs> quick thought. Uh, Megan, you mentioned this earlier. Number two, Quinn Ewers says he's mm-hmm. not going to make money in high school, but he, has, he can bank if he finishes up real quick and runs to Ohio State. Thoughts? Man, I, I, I think this is a slippery slope. Um, I respect mm-hmm. and I understand it. And I certainly don't judge the kid. And I am... in the NIL corner of kids should get paid. No question. But where's the line? I I do think this is going to bring up a lot of questions about how does this play out in high school? I respect his decision, but I think it's the beginning of a slippery slope. I think that's that's where I'll stick. I agree. Um, I think he's one that, I mean, you brought it up earlier, that can get away with it, like, because he's so good. But if a kid that is maybe not like, if a kid, you know, just gets a little too big for his britches and sees viewers do this and tries to emulate it, it could work out not to their advantage big time. So, um, again, like you said, Megan, I think it's also, yeah, it's a slippery slope. Like so much of this is. Yeah. But again, how, how are you going to, how are you going to punish a kid whose family isn't making a lot of money? Again, viewers not right. model right here, but 
what happens when you've got a kid that's coming up with not a ton of money and you're taking away a year of potential earning from him, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think it's great that they're foregoing potentially finishing their high school, you know, degree. That should be an absolute requirement to move forward. Um, But yeah, I mean, you can't fault a kid for wanting to bring money in sooner. So Rocky, what do you think? Do you think they should let high school kids get paid? Oh, again, slippery slope. That's where, where, yeah, where's this line? Yeah, I think it's just like we talked about earlier. His, he's a one in a decade player. I think 99.9% of the rest of the kids, this doesn't affect them. And if he is the one in a million this year that has that option, like the college coaches are like, yes, please get your butts camp as soon as you can. And you'll make a million bucks this year. That's yeah. Good for him. I don't have that problem. <laughs> all right quick we we're all massive olympic fans we talked about it the last show what are you loving hating so ex- surprised excited about with the olympics this year listen u.s women's soccer oh my crazy God. i very much surprised by that lost to canada come on y'all i i oh. definitely not loving that um disappointed but still supportive right let's mm-hmm. let's go for the bronze uh, hopefully it's a wake up call and basketball. My God, what happened with basketball? Oh, we were not ready. We were not ready. But other than that, I mean, it's, it's been, I've been enjoying watching it. I will say it is not having fans and not having a crowd has had more of an impact on my watching and, and being involved with the Olympics and excited about it than I thought it would. Agreed. Yeah, I can't get into it. Well, I haven't been able to get into it like I have in the past. And, and that's not to say that I haven't paid attention or like watched it. It's just not the same. Like you said, Megan, I'm proud of the U.S. softball team. I was maybe this much disappointed that they didn't win the gold, but they got the silver. Kat Osterman's a badass forever. Yeah. Like she's the goat. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, yeah. Yeah, I wish we would have uh, got the gold on that one, but I don't other than that, like super proud of him, like you said. Yeah. Um, Rocky, how about you? What's your Olympic experience? I think the reason it's tough to watch the Olympics this year is one, we already know who won before we watch it, before <laughs> they air it 12 hours later for us. And if you're not up at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m., you're not going to know, and you're not going to see anything live. This right. time change, you know, I know it's in Japan, the 14 hours ahead, we talked about that, but th- that's that's the hardest part is watching things when you already know who won and that's annoying. I was so disappointed with the opening ceremony. It, and it was, to me, it was boring. It was, it was weird. It was so boring. I had to stop playing it and play China's opening ceremony for not (laughs) to show her what a real opening ceremony is supposed to look like. It was, I, I was just, I didn't love it. And I was so ready for a great opening ceremony. I, yeah, I give it yeah. two thumbs down. I did yeah. not. Too, <laughs> too, gotta agree, man. Too like, unenthusiastic thumbs down. Yeah, it did. Um, it, it, opening ceremony was supposed to set the tone and it really didn't. It, well, it did, but boring. Not it was weird <laughs> and confusing and boring and uh, I didn't like it. We, we still have Tara Davis, who yes. is going to We've Woo-hoo. had some great, the future of Texas swimming. Woo! Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Quick, quick, quick. Buffalo Bills threw out some empty threat that they might move to Austin if (laughs) Buffalo doesn't meet their demands. Thoughts? (laughs) Hollow. I think it it rings hollow. I knowing the University of Texas, there's no way in hell they'd ever let. Again, I'm going to go back to these Senate hearings. Sorry, y'all. I was wrapped up in this for two years or two two years. It felt like it. Two hours. Um, 
it came up. Uh, one of the economists there mentioned that, um, you know, the two major cities, you know, Dallas and, and Houston don't have, like they've got professional teams and the attendance is lower on college teams as such. And when those major sports teams go away, the college attendance rises. So yeah, I think you can bet like hell um, that the University of Texas is going to fight the city of Austin on adding a pro team. I, 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 we've got FC, right? And I, I, I think it's That's- an empty threat. I think it's it's an empty threat that wouldn't get uh, wouldn't get approved. Like why? I, and maybe y'all can shed some light on this. Why did they just randomly like? Did they just? Oh, they didn't random. Oh, Austin, random. Or are they trying to come to Austin? Like, is there what's the background there? You know, I don't think it's it's random at all. Like, again, Austin is an up and coming city. Well, right? No, I know. But like, they threw We've that out. We got the space for it. I mean, on paper, Austin is the perfect city for for an expansion team. I just or, didn't know if for, like the city of Austin like like heard that went home. Like, and, and or if there's been conversation about it, people that's all. Who know people who here, you know, like I just think when you hear, oh, pro teams saying they're going to come to Austin, we all know they're not. UT yeah. won't let it, Jerry Jones won't let it, San Antonio God, won't no, let won't. it. Like, no, everyone around us would fight that to the end, and we know yeah. what happened. So, when you throw out, oh, an NFL team to Austin, nope. And we yeah. know why. I mean, I think they would go to San Antonio before they would come to Austin. San Antonio. If, if you want to talk about adding, adding another NFL team to Texas, it would be San Antonio. Yeah. That All right. One last question, day. real quick. Last one. Kirk Herbstreet. He says that this whole realignment thing is losing the tradition of sports, and he must must be naive, but he cares about traditions and rivalries, and decision makers don't. Do you think Texas and OU moving to the SEC is destroying tradition and rivalry? No, it's restoring it for Texas because we're suddenly playing A&M and Arkansas again. Yep. So we're going uh, to on, a, on, a, on an institutional level? No, uh, for the reasons that Hannah said. On a national landscape level? Yeah, yeah. I think this, I think this move... Uh, is the best thing for UT and for OU, but I do think it is going to absolutely turn the rest of the sports world upside down. And it doesn't matter who you ask on if they're in favor of it or not in favor of it. Um, what's been the motivator for this? Money, bottom line. So yeah, I think, I, again, another slippery slope there, but we all know that money dominates college sports and the illusion of of non-professionalism, right, is... Mm-hmm. is gone um right. now i will add to that that herb street for years has been you know espn is a huge player behind the scenes in all of this and yeah, the one cool. driving all the money so i don't know that herb street who's been shucking for espn for his entire career is really the one to go all high and mighty here yeah but, it's know. like when people rail on twitter about big tech from their iphone streaming google fiber like okay thanks right. for your opinion on that while you right use your apple phone to rail against big tech Right. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. He's sitting at ESPN railing about how ESPN is making big money. I, he, he gets a and portion of that. Money, right. And he makes living off of college football. Like that the whole thing is he 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 benefits too. So but yeah, I, I see both sides. There are some rivalries that may drop off, but initially Texas is actually renewing some rivalries in this case. And there's there could be a few more new ones kind of forming so 
Okay. That was our rapid fire. We went a little bit Yay. longer, but we had a lot to say about those things. <laughs> yeah, all right. Us talking about all things. God, that no never way. happens. All right. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies. It's been a crazy long time, long time since we last talked and a lot's happened, but we're back together and we will be back strong, regular. <laughs> We've got preseason camp about to happen. Yes, we lost talk about gay, uh, gay football games in what 33 days? 33 days as of this recording, y'all. Texas we are three days away. <laughs> Deont- days Deontay away. Foreman days away. <laughs> exactly. Love it. All right. Well, thanks as always for listening, y'all. To wrap it up, I'm Megan. I'm Rocky. And I'm Hannah. And we are Fire the Cannon. <laughs>